And so our scripture today is from the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory, and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This morning... um, I'd like to, so the, the title of the sermon is um, Prophetic Lament, Prophetic Lament. And this morning I want to talk about uh, Memorial Day, the attack that left 19 children, uh, mostly 10-year-olds, and two adults. Uh, One, a teacher who was found, her lifeless body was found um, embracing the lifeless bodies of two of her students. At Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. So I want to talk about Memorial Day, a mass shooting, grief, and prophetic lament. So as I was trying to to find a way even to 
begin to put words around all of this, uh, I was reminded of some history, namely the history around Memorial Day, uh, which some of you may be familiar with, but which I was not, I don't remember being taught ever. What we now know as Memorial Day was begun in the 1860s. It was kind of a a popular movement during a time when our country was literally at war with itself, where children, many of them teenagers, were dying on battlefields and all around our country as northern and southern states fought. And towns, both in the north and south, began on their own locally organizing what they would call decoration days. And all of those who had lost their children to this war, grandchildren, spouses would gather and put flowers on the graves. Here's a photo of an early decoration day. And many of those, some of the, one of the largest ones was led by, uh, in, in, South, in Charleston, South Carolina, led by uh, recently freed African Americans, a parade of 10,000 strong, uh, had a decoration day ceremony for Union soldiers who had been buried, who had died in a prison camp and were buried in a mass grave. And so they uh, gave those remains a proper burial and honored the sacredness of those lives. Decoration days were an expression of personal grief and communal lament. And that's what lament is. Lament is communal expression of grief. Grief, as maybe some of you know, uh, was famously uh, the topic of research from a psychiatrist uh, named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she actually identified stages of grief. The stages are, maybe some of you are familiar, denial. That's the first reaction to the news of the death. Can't be. The brain short circuits. Can't process it. The next is anger which maybe you are feeling, certainly I am feeling in these days, which we see plenty of all around us. The next is bargaining. Well, maybe if I do this or do that, maybe this loss will somehow be mitigated. 
The fourth is depression. So if you are feeling depressed over a loss or a trauma, if you are feeling depressed right now, like that is totally normal. We should be feeling depressed. We should be feeling something. I guess that is the point, one of the points of my sermon today. The point is not to numb out, not to look away, not to pretend we aren't sacrificing our children. Depression. The, let's see, that was number four. Number five is acceptance. And then some are adding a sixth, which is making meaning, trying to bring some redemption, trying to make some sense, trying to bring something life-affirming in the face of this incalculable calculable loss. So, so all of those sorts of things. Our ancestors had these rituals. They didn't have all of the information that we had. They didn't have the stages of grief. What they had were these ancient rituals of visiting a grave site or visiting a site of trauma and doing what you can, putting a flower. It occurred to me in thinking about decoration days in the Civil War that our current culture is such that we are continually having decoration days. Almost immediately after the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, a decoration day began. But that is just the most recent one. Ten days earlier, uh, ten African Americans killed in Buffalo, uh, New York, at a top supermarket, and another decoration day. But there have been so many. Maybe some of you remember, maybe some of you have already forgotten the mass shooting at Oxford High School in Michigan, where a young man was actually texting with his mom in class that he had brought ammunition to school and a gun and ended up killing four of his classmates there. Another decoration day. And before that, El Paso, Texas, a gunman, once again, a racist attack, targeting Latinos, killed uh, 23, I believe, with automatic weapons. Another decoration day. Of course, before that, Parkland, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And once again, uh, a mass shooting at a school. And at this time, I thought surely something was going to change because young people were using their voices and were organizing. Adults in this country clearly are hopeless. But yet here we are still celebrating these horrific decoration days. 
and one would think. With 21 kindergartners, we all thought, didn't we? President Obama certainly thought, surely, now it has to end. And of course, Columbine in 1999, which was certainly my uh, first awareness that of the war uh, that we are uh, engaging in with each other. Our calling as Christians is to not turn away. Our calling is to face the reality that as a nation we are sacrificing our children to the gods of guns and money. And our calling is to invite our community into lament because as my friend, Mark Charles, preacher, activist, Native American, likes to say, when God's people lament, God shows up. But the story of our time is not one particularly of Lament, or at least not a lament that leads us to breaking this cycle of violence. Instead, the story is death, grief, finger pointing, shame, blame, and so the conflict that is eating our country just continues. We can never lay down our metaphorical or literal arms, even for a second, even long enough to properly grieve the mass shooting of 19 of our children, of 10 of our African-American brothers and sisters. We cannot because almost immediately the cycle of anger and blame begins. The first Lamentations, this ancient poem of lament, offers us a blueprint, a different starting point. And the first, the starting point of Lamentations is simply to stop and to face the devastation, to be brave enough to acknowledge the incalculable loss. that we are inflicting upon ourselves on a daily basis. There have been 
222 mass shootings in this year alone. There are more mass shootings in the United States than there are days in a year, as defined by multiple deaths from gun violence. And those are just mass shootings. On a daily basis, there are, uh, I saw some, there are 45,000, I think, gun deaths a year, something like that, in the United States, individual tragedies. So the place to begin in the face of this inhuman violence is to reconnect with our common humanity and to begin to feel that grief. Before we start moving to whose fault it is or what the problem is or what the diagnosis is, that clearly is getting us nowhere. Let's begin with grief. And we may find ourselves at different stages in this grief. Uh, it's not a linear process. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, it's not a checklist. It's not something that you do and get it over with and move on to the next thing. It's more like you don't do grief. Grief, we don't do grief. It's more like grief does us. And those of you who have been through it, maybe have a sense for that. We need to allow this grief to change us because gun violence in our country is not someone else's problem. It's clear to me that either we're going to solve it together or we, are, we have said that basically uh, we're okay with just waiting and hoping that our kids aren't next. And so as you, may tell, as you might be able to tell, I, wherever I find myself in the grief process right now, I am definitely not at the acceptance stage. Acceptance feels wrong. I cannot accept the status quo. All I know is that we are stuck and we need a new approach. And what we have to offer as Christians, what the Bible has to offer, is lament. Long ago, the prophet Jeremiah bore witness to the violence and injustice that God's people were doing to each other. Civil war, whether literal 
or metaphorical is nothing new. And as a nation, the United States, we are not unique in this. Brothers have been killing brothers. Ah, Children have been killing children. Parents have been grieving since ancient times. That was true for the prophet Jeremiah who wrote this long poem called uh, Lamentations. In his situation, the powerful exploited the weak, the rich extorted the poor, and the social fabric was coming apart as each one did as they pleased in the name of freedom. And who bore the brunt of that violence in Jeremiah's time? It was women and children. Jeremiah warned the leaders of his nation that their failure to take collective action to end this system of violence that they were inflicting on themselves would only continue to weaken them until they would be vulnerable to neighboring nations, literally invading and taking over their country. And the sad story in Jeremiah's case is that that's what actually ended up happening. They didn't listen to the warning until it was too late. In the case of ancient Israel, they had to go all the way to the bottom before they began to face the reality of what they were doing to themselves. But the good news is, and the point of Lamentations, especially the part that we read, is that even when all is lost, God never abandons God's people. And so as long as you or I have breath in our bodies, We can have hope, we can have courage, and we can do whatever we can to make a change in our community and in our country. Even in the midst of this devastation, God has not abandoned us. And I am not here to get into any arguments about any specific changes. In my mind, try everything. As I said, all I know is that the status quo is not acceptable. It is not acceptable. And if we can't, what I am begging is that we can at least agree on that. And then whatever it is we can do, let's do it. On this Memorial Day, when we honor those who gave their lives and sacrificed to give us this country, the way that we can make meaning out of this senseless killing in Valley, in Buffalo, in Parkland and wherever is to together take action to build a country that
that is actually worthy of their sacrifice. Amen. Let us stand and sing number 311. We shall overcome.